Welcome to our latest edition of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything Yellow Jacket Athletics with our producer, Elliot Sweary, the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and for the first time in nine months, Big Sound, we have a light at the end of that tunnel. Finally, announcements made that games are going to be played. Boy, I, you know what, John? I was just thinking about the way you put that, the latest. It's like I was thinking very late. I mean, <laughs> this is feels like we've been like banging our heads against the wall on the sports side here for the better part of, I guess it's what now, 11, 12 months? We're, going, we're coming up on it. It's like 10 months, I guess, Well, right it now. was mid-March yeah. when the shutdown happened. Right, so. You know, so we're on just nine over months. nine months of yeah. this now. Nine months. I keep, I keep that number always goes back. It's like this is what women have to go through when they're pregnant for like nine months of this. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. You just yes. realize how long that is. But on another <laughs> on another uh, point here, yeah, there's some. My wife will tell exactly how long it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mom would too because she's a former <laughs> OBGYN nurse, so she'll tell you all about it. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Thankfully, the WIAC has uh, decided to go through with a college hockey season, so that means that. We now have a men's and women's hockey teams on this campus now that can engage in actual games, which is great. The UMAC, I think, is still on track to start sometime in January. That announcement February. has been made. Okay. okay. As of the, the time that we are sitting in, in here recording this, the, uh, the announcement came out. Okay. So every sport in the UMAC is also now on track to, to begin competing basketball Men's and women's is in that same window as men's and women's ice hockey. And, right, yeah. You know, indoor track and field is a week later than them. So the uh, the official start date, I believe, is where they start the testing is the 4th of January. Okay. For basketball and hockey practices on the 7th, I believe, right. is the date there. And then track and field reports on January 11th. And by okay. the end of the month, we're, we're diving right in. So it's, right. you know, the first time in a long time that we actually – have something important coming down the pike, something positive. And that was yeah. that was when the the WIAC announcement came out a couple of weeks ago. I, you know, let the dust settle for about three or four hours, and I, I text Nick Bursick, and I just said, you know, I, I appreciate the work that you and the, the ADs and the, the presidents and chancellors put in because for, for me, this this was a real shot in the arm to, to finally have – Good news. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're getting a shot in the arm kind of across the board. Cautiously optimistic would be my stance right now. I mean, we've got vaccines, two of them, now that have been approved and are being shipped around. My sister, as we speak now on this Tuesday before Christmas, um, got her vaccine yesterday, which was a big relief for me. Um, And she actually texted uh, everybody in the family. She texted uh, us a copy of the actual because they give you an actual certificate that says i've been vaccinated so that you have proof that you've been vaccinated um so yeah things are going in the right direction um you know i like i said i this whole entire experience of everything across the board whether it's sports or life or or jobs or the economy or anything else has taught me to be very very cautious that's the biggest thing i've learned now over the last nine months is to be very cautious about everything right you know across the board and it's going to be a while i think for me before i uh, I'm stopped being co- super cautious just as a mental outlook. But, yeah, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, and I can imagine. I mean, you haven't broadcast the game. I've actually done some inter-squad stuff. You didn't do anything for – how long has it been since you've been on the air? The last day of February. So so it's been – Ten months I'm nearing you. ten months yeah. from, from my last broadcast. I mean, I can imagine you've been itching for it. I know you and I talked about it during the fall for the uh, Yellow Jacket Super Series stuff, that it was like – um, you know, at least I was able to get on the air and actually go, th- you know, go through and get a full broadcast done. You've been kind of 
like kind of I don't want to say stuck because I know how many other things you have going on your right. plate all the time, but I know how much joy broadcasting brings you. So yeah, you know, and and for me it was uh, watching Division One hockey um, was kind of the okay. So there are places that are going to be able to pull off a hockey season, and hopefully we're not far behind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing Bruce Siski with UMD back on the radio, you know, was kind of like, man, I can't wait till that's me. And then my my friend Tim Hennessy at the University of North Dakota listening to him broadcasting their games. I was like, man, I can't wait till this was this is me. And then right, finally right. getting that that call that all right, we're gonna have games. We have dates, we have locations, we have times. Right. Okay, now we can kind of start to to build some things here. And then it dawns on me, man, I didn't get a scorebook this year, so I gotta order that and right. and all that. But it's it's finally starting to to set in that okay, we're we're going to get some form of a season right. in, and that's the great thing. Did you like take any? I didn't. I'm not one of those guys. But did you take any joy from watching the NHL games being played like that? I mean, pro hockey is so different from college. The college scene is completely different from pro, and you and I know that just as far as overall sports. But did that get you the itch too? I mean, I mean, oh, absolutely. Okay, it did because you had the mid March shutdown. And we went through how many months with absolutely nothing, nothing sports wise. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it was a thrill to wake up on a Sunday morning and find out that Australian rules football was on TV, and I could sit and watch that. <laughs> I know you're a new fan of that sport. Yeah. yeah I you know, having seen one live when we were down there. Yeah, that was great. So, and just having the team that I kind of pulled for was on. So even better. But to, to not have anything like that to be able to watch for so long. Right. That when the NHL came back in in August, yeah, I I was there. Yeah, and every single night for those eight weeks, I was there and I and I was watching it. Um, I I, I love the sport that much. Right. Where it it was great to just be able to sit and watch an NHL game. It's very different from the college game, but it was just so enjoyable to right. be able to sit and watch watch a hockey game again. Yeah, I, I did get something out of it, and I, I was in you know, and going straight from the shutdown into the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, we're gonna you know, no messing around here. We're gonna dive into the deep end of the pool, and you could tell that some teams have been off for several months, and right, yeah, you know, it, it definitely I think would have had a different finish had we not had five months off in between. But no, I I definitely got something out of out of that coming on and that, that 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 it scratched the itch a little bit right but then when all that was done in october then it was like okay now what right so yeah. to be able to to dive back into the college season now has been great and you know i'm thrilled to death that we're finally going to be back on the air i think at a certain point um you know my biggest sporting event my favorite sporting event of the year and i think you know that is the ncaa tournament i really missed it last year not having any March Madness was just it made me mad. Right. <laughs> to, to put, this is madness. Put, yeah, this is total madness. A different kind, that. but it's madness. Yeah, I was I was going mad because there was no madness. Um, that was a real bummer for me. Um, I'm not the biggest pro sports guy in the world, and I'll freely admit that to anybody. Um, but even having the Twins play a 60 game schedule was weird. Um, the NHL just announced that they're going to have a drastically shortened schedule this 56 year. 56 games. Yeah, 56 games, I think I saw. And then uh, they can still have the same round of playoffs, so I think, right? Like the same amount? Are they they're going back to the the standard 16 teams. Okay, okay. Yeah. Have they, are they going to play that in a pod, or are they going to try to 
I'd have to go back and look. Okay. Um, I I would imagine no. Okay. Hopefully we've got the vaccinations but I w- done. But I would him. guess yeah. it's going to depend on on how all that shakes out. Okay. Because I think one of the things that helped pave the way for the UMAC and uh, the WIAC now to be able to start up sports is kind of watching how college football handled themselves. Um, and I'll be perfectly honest, it was pretty messy. Uh, college football was very – I don't want to say it was lackluster, but it just felt extremely chaotic this year because you had teams that played four games. You had some teams that played 12 games. And so there was there you was had some teams that played the first two games and then they were off for a month. Yeah, exactly. You know, and especially the Big Ten schools all really suffered. Yeah. Um, well, late start to begin with. Yeah, late start to begin with, and then everybody and, had at least one game that got postponed or canceled all right. Right. And so I think actually Rutgers played more games than anybody. I think they ended up with like nine, like eight or nine. Good for them. Yeah, but I mean, if if, if you were paying attention. And this is Big Ten country. The Big Ten had a real problem trying to get everything in, and they didn't really do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, they had to amend the rules for Ohio State. Yep. You know, um, let's be honest. That's what this whole thing was about. <laughs> you can definitely make that argument. The Big yeah. Ten's participation in the football season had everything to do with Ohio State. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and you, you, I think some teams really that had high expectations really suffered as a result of just the chaos of it all. You know, especially teams Michigan really suffered this year. Penn State really suffered this year. Uh, the Badgers really suffered this year. The Gophers suffered. I mean, if you go across the board, there were very few teams that really just said, we had a good year. Nebraska fans suffered. Yeah, Nebraska. <laughs> That's an ongoing uh, joke now these days. But programs that had high aspirations for this year, they just didn't happen because there was just too much uncertainty. Everything just kind of crumbled. And so now going into the basketball season, I've noticed that I think it's been handled pretty well for the most part. Um, still not playing in front of fans, you know. Anybody that's been watching, um, you know, NFL games or because uh, the NFL's done pretty well too for the most part, I think. For the most part, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I thought so. T- I mean, I was worried at the beginning when we had the problems with the Titans, and yep. then uh, you know there were a couple other teams that also got touched up a little bit. And, you know, Ravens had an issue at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought that there would be you know more of that. Guys have been, I think, for the most part, the athletes have been pretty disciplined about trying to stay away from the fray or stay out of the fray as much as they can. Um, but, you know, this is all a learning process, learning what you can and cannot get away with and what right. you can and cannot do. And I think there's been a lot of lessons learned from watching how college football has done it as to how you can do it in the future. And to be honest with you, I think going back to your hockey angle, I thought Division One hockey's done pretty well. For the most part, I don't know what your impression is of how they've been able to handle it, but it seems like there've been very few games that have been postponed. There've been a few, but not as many as I thought there might be. Right. Um, and each league has done a little bit differently, whether it's the Big Ten or the NCHC, as far as how they're structuring it. Right. Well, I mean, the NCHC had the the one blip with Colorado College at the very beginning. Right. Yeah. And they just didn't enter the pod until they had gone through all that, and I think that meant two games with UMD. Right. Ended up not getting played. But aside from that, the NCHC pod was 38 for 38 and getting those games in. Right. And yeah. they didn't, out of 3,000 tests, they didn't have one single positive through the course of right. that 20 oh. days that they were in the pod. So they, they figured it out and, and right. they got it done right. And, you know, the Big Ten, as far as you know, there was a couple games in there that were postponed. Wisconsin and Ohio State, I think, had a yeah, couple Yeah, they, they had a weekend oh, series no, that it was, was... Ohio State. Well, Michigan State was one of them. Michigan Wisconsin State. was one as well. I think it was Michigan State-Wisconsin. Because they, they, yeah. they were postponed. But other than that, I mean, the Gophers have gotten their games in. Michigan's gotten their games in. So, 
you know, they've, they've been able to figure out a way to navigate it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the hope is that as we learn how all this is going to unfold and we get into January and February that it trickles down to this level and we can figure out a way to, to navigate right. that as well. Well, and the one thing I think that also helps too is the ge- geography of it all. Um, because the big concern is bringing in too much geography, too much space in between, which right. is the reason for the pods. Uh, the Big Ten is still doing a, a home and away a scenario. Nobody's in a pod in, when it comes to the Big Ten games. But, um, you know, they're following extremely strict regulations as far as I can tell in terms of trying to make sure that the travel is as safe as possible to make sure that they can get all those games in. And for a conference like the WAC that is, you know, for the most part essentially located, I mean, nobody's so far away that you would be – no, it's it's very confined. Yeah, you know, I mean, the longest road trip is Stevens Point. Everybody for else, us, is, yeah, yeah, that's that's four and a half hours, and yeah, I mean, everybody else is within two two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So that makes it that much easier too. It's much safer. Stevens Point being the outlier of that group, but the geography question is well, it all depends one. how you look at it. Yeah, for a lot, we're the outlier. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, us in Northland. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the two that are the only ones know. that aren't are like Stout and Eau Claire. You know, yeah, exactly. Stout Eau Claire, River Falls are all within that little, you mm-hmm. know, they're all within about 45 minutes of each other. Right. So, you know, travel for them is not a big deal. Um, I'm excited also that the UMAC is going to try to play. They've got the extra difficulty of having two states involved. And yep. that's something that we'll be talking about with head coach Rich McKenna. Shameless plug for our next segment, <laughs> head coach Rich McKenna. But, um, you know, because each state is handling it a little bit differently. Minnesota's regulations are not the same as Wisconsin as right. it pertains to COVID stuff. So, um there's just a lot of moving parts, and I feel like I'm repeating myself there from our previous podcast, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when all else, you know, when it all comes down to it, this is all about managing COVID. First and foremost, it's one, one A, and one B on the list of priorities, right? In terms of managing, and then we'll worry about the rest of this, you know, the logistics later on. But if we can, you know, if we can just make it through the next couple months, play a season, hopefully get everybody vaccinated by the end of the summer or hopefully by the end of spring even, right? then, you know, we'll have accomplished everything, and hopefully we can get back to normalcy in 2021, and that's our goal. That's the goal. You know, <laughs> it's kind of been the goal from the get-go, so hopefully that's the, the direction all this is going to go. But you, you threw the teaser out there, so no better time than now to jump into segment number two, and uh, one of the coaches that got that glimmer of hope and now for a couple of weeks has known his team is, is going to be competing is Yellow Jacket head men's hockey coach Rich McKenna, and he's been kind enough to stop by, and he'll join us here for segment number two, which is going to come up right after this, you are listening to Eye of the Swarm. For over 85 years, the dollars deposited at National Bank of Commerce have been reinvested into the community, sparking bold ideas and igniting big dreams. Our customers have helped transform the region, And if we've come this far already, just imagine what's next. National Bank of Commerce. We make more possible. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by the head hockey coach of the L Jacket men's hockey team, Rich McKenna. And uh, the reason we delayed in the recording of this and made sure that we had this man in the room with us is because there's finally that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel when two weeks ago we got the announcement from the WIAC that uh, there's going to be a hockey season and I'm, I'm not going to lie coach I was stunned 
when that announcement came out and it was that we are going to resume the season. Because I had already written the release that the WIAC was not going to have a season and we are going to approach this looking for the alternative schedule. And then when that came out, I was stunned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like when that all came out and we talked, John, and everything, it was uh, everything kind of sped up really quickly. Next thing I know, I'm in the bathroom shaving my <laughs> awful beard and had to go on, uh, had to have a Zoom meeting and everything else with news stations at Fox 21 and so on and so forth. So uh, I was absolutely uh, – taken back by that too uh you know knowing that we were going to have a season how it was going to look I did not know uh you know had to have other conferences make some decisions first thinking you know I knew we were going to play Northland was it going to be 10 times or was it going to be you know other teams in there but now that the WIAC uh came to the came to the table and and you know we're having a season you know it's going to be uh it's going to be a lot of fun and knowing that we have full membership playing, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of, you know, a lot of conversations we've had, you know, I kind of bet that there wouldn't be one conference that had full membership playing. And, you know, it's a testament to the WIAC that, that we do. And, uh, it's going to make for, uh, uh, a sprint of a season, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, it's going to be quick and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity and the hard work that uh, Nick Bursick has put in, our chancellor, uh, to be able to give us this opportunity. And, you know, let's, uh, let's get after it. How would you like to be the new commissioner of the WIAC? And this is what you walk into. You know, you, you, you get this position in the middle of a global pandemic and have to try to navigate all this and decide, well, we're going to or we are not going to have sports. Well, it's... I feel like every decision that's being made right now and every job that's being taken, especially in the sports world right now, is coming with that caveat of this is a pandemic. COVID-19 is still happening. And, yeah, this is uncharted territory. I don't know necessarily how other commissioners would handle it, even if they were still in, because this is unprecedented territory. So in that regard, it you know doesn't change, I don't think, a whole lot. But when you don't have a rapport also with the rest of the league yet – I mean, they might know who you are a little bit, depending on whether you went outside or you just promoted from within. Yeah, it can change things quite a bit, I would think. And, I mean, I can imagine that the conversations as far as getting the WIAC, the UMAC, or whatever league it is going are pretty lively. So that makes it that much tougher, especially if you have a commissioner coming in. And I don't know if the commissioner came in from the outside, the new commissioner came in from the outside. Okay. That definitely adds a, a logistical or just a – not even logistical is the wrong word – more of a, just a practical difficulty because you're still trying to get to know these people and forge relationships with everybody. And then you've got different viewpoints, I'm sure, on how everything should be done. Um, you know, and the debates, you know, just talking with one of our other podcasts with Nick Bursick, there's a lot of talk going on, a lot of crosstalk. Everyone's talking to everybody, trying to figure out how can we do this and do it the right way. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that that's a – <laughs> wasn't easy. I, right. you know, that that's a challenge and a half. Um, I guess the only comfort that the new commissioner can take from all that is that it's a challenge for everybody. I mean, commissioners that have been sitting in their positions for 25 years would have the same problems, right? Because this this entire circumstance, and we've talked about this in other podcasts as well, John, has really 
open up the door on a whole new kind of frontier of looking at sports at a certain level. Because, I mean, the last time we had a pandemic of this scale was over 100 years ago. Right. So nobody living today has ever seen something like this or has had to deal with the logistics of something like this. Right. I mean, usually you're just thinking about, you know, travel, scheduling, trying to make sure everybody's got hotels and that the championships are set and the hosts are set and making sure that everybody is compliant and everything like that. And that is all still there. But the (laughs) one, one A and one B is how are we going to deal with COVID right right now? All the rest of that stuff, we'll deal with that when it comes. But right now, how are we even going to get on the ice or on the court or on the field? That's the big question. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the fact that the WAG came through, very impressive. And it also takes a leap of faith and a leap of courage, really. I mean, having watched how college football has gone, it's been kind of a mess. Right. I mean, I wouldn't say a total mess, but it's been a largely a mess. I mean, you've got teams right now that have played 11, 12 games, and then you've got other teams that played three. Right. And now we're into the bowl season, and teams that are two and eight are getting bowl games because there isn't enough teams to fill any slots right now. You know, so it's been a topsy-turvy time. And, you know, I applaud the WIAC, though, for, for stepping up and saying, yeah, let's do this and – you know, it'll be a big learning experience for everybody, I suppose. I mean, Coach, I don't know if you feel the same way, but, I mean, the games is one thing, but the logistics is another. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I think Danielle Harris, as a, as a first, uh, in her first year as commissioner of the WIAC, which is, you know, a very storied conference. It's a conference that competes on the national stage in a lot of sports. Uh, to be able to make, you know, she made some hard decisions in the, in the fall semester. Uh, and then be able to come back around and, and give winter sports a chance, and uh, you know, which will then probably start to lay the groundwork for how spring sports would go. Uh, you know, is you know, she's done a great job. It's been a kind of a leap, a leap of faith for her too, I think, for a little bit. Uh, but you know, the the communication has been there. The the coaches have been talking. You know, the 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 WIAC hockey in general is a smaller conference, so I think it also helped that the coaches were able to get on the same page right away. We were able to do some legwork, uh, get some agreements going, get some thought process, get get some protocols, be able to bring it back to ads. ADs then, you know, again, you're not dealing with maybe 12 ADs. You know, we also have, you know, we're all in Wisconsin. It's just one state you're dealing with. You're not dealing with multiple states, local governments, multiple schools, different ADs, so on and so forth. So we were able to kind of use, I think we were able to kind of use that that gift of kind of all being under this umbrella and start to kind of navigate through some stuff. And, you know, it's taken some time. It's been good. Um, you know, and the thing about COVID, like, it exists, right? Like, obviously, like, we're, we're in this right now. The biggest thing, like you said, I think with football, too, and, and it's going to go for any sport, no matter what, that you could do everything right and still possibly not play because of something that happened with your opponent or something. So it's... You know, it's cliche. The biggest thing is, you know, and we, we talk about it in a non-pandemic season, but, you know, control your controllables and whatever happens, happens. Like, you can't, you know, we can't dwell on that. And, you know, having, you know, here at UWS, the, the, the leadership we have in our athletic department by Nick Bursick, like, something came up and, you know, uh, 
we're we're ready to go and and our opponent can't you know maybe we could do something else I don't know like I think you know all the only thing you need to do is take it you know you get information it's different minute by minute so you you know for us again you know keeping on the cliche momentum here take it day by day and you know, and, and just and just go with the flow a little bit, and you know, manage yourself and hold yourself accountable, and 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 I don't think necessarily so much we're worried about our guys when they're at the rink or our guys when we're in video sessions or whatever. It's more, what are you doing with the other, let's say, 19 hours of your day? That that is the threat I think to all sports over anything else. In terms of what's given to them inside their, inside their sport, it's the it's that downtime. How 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 is how are you going to handle that? You know, and that's a big thing. You know, we had our meeting last night, our return to sport, uh, return to sport Zoom meeting, and you know it was you know you look back and you're watching the faces and you see the guys kind of calculating in their head like okay like this is going to be. This is going to be tough, right? And, you know, like college, to be a true college athlete, you can't do what typical college students do. The movies Animal House and Van Wilder and all that stuff that you, you, <laughs> you don't do those things, right? You can't. You can't You can't play at the level that you need to play at and live that lifestyle. So you're already giving that up. But now you're basically giving up everything now just to play your sport so it's you know it's going to be hard it's going to be but you know what could be fun and the way I look at it too is it's a uh it's a year that I know we're going to play games we're going to develop our players we're going to get better we are going to be playing and some teams aren't and we'll be better for it in the long run and we just gotta you know be grateful and be positive and at the end of the day you have a chance to play hockey. So let's just let's take it for what it is. How have your guys handled it? Because the the first semester was difficult in a lot of ways. It it seemed like, you know, that the, the road was zigzagging constantly and and you were having to change the way you approach things daily as you mentioned earlier. How how well did your team handle all of this? I think in all when when I sit back and look how we handled it, it it was fine it was good uh it's i would say the biggest struggle my guys have had was pro- like when we're in preseason and preseason training the only time our team was ever all together was when we were training so either lifting uh but lifting was different because we were in circuits right we couldn't all be in the weight room uh, but the only time we were ever all together when we were at Westman. And I think that that's where they struggled the most because, you know, talking, we have, you know, we have uh, upperclassmen heavy now team, right? For the last two years, our underclassmen were, uh, we were, we were very young. So now we're much older. And the biggest thing, you know, my upperclassmen have said to me that I think they struggled with the most was it's really hard to get to know the freshmen because we can't do things that we typically have been done for us uh, through, you know, you know, through getting to know each other and all. Like, we can't do those things. 
So uh, I'd say that was probably the hardest part. Wearing masks and practice and all that stuff, you know, it is what it is, right? You got to, you got to, like, I, we didn't really pay too much attention to that in terms of, like, this is what it has to be, like, let's just get over it, you know? But, like, we're not, we're not even in the same locker room. We're spread over three locker rooms. We're, uh, you know, we put guys that lived in their same house in the same group as a circuit in case something happened, we could remove just that piece and be able to continue to forge forward. So again, even when we were all together, we still truly weren't, it was hard to still get that family feel that get that, that camaraderie vibe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So I'd say that's what they struggled with the most. Uh, school-wise, I, I feel we're fine. I don't, like, yeah, not being on campus, they weren't exactly fired up about it, but they're older. We have, again, you know, even as freshmen or freshmen are 21, they've been taking online classes anyway while they were playing juniors. So that part, they were, they knew that's what had to be done to be able to kind of stay in school and keep a season alive. Like, a lot of things my guys felt, all right, like this is what it is to be able to play. The biggest thing they struggled with was creating that camaraderie and family bond and all that other stuff, which, you know, I think now coming back, you know, when we get our guys back here and we start start building in January, I kind of now know what are things we need to do uh, to be able to embrace that and kind of maybe touch on those those points a little bit more and how to do it because again it's the first time I've you know as a staff we've managed anything through this also so now we know what some of the needs are to be able to address those um, to make it a little bit more family oriented or whatever because it was more like come in do your work get out so now it's uh you know we'll be and it'll be less populated here in January too there'll only be four teams playing or really only four four teams worth of kids on campus so we'll be able to maybe uh manage it a little bit differently we don't have school we could kind of spread out the day a little bit you know so we're we learned a lot i and i think that they handled it very well uh but i think we can handle it even better now because we got kind of a little bit of a snapshot of what it what it's going to look like because it's going to still resemble a lot of what they've already gone through. So mentally they can prepare for that now too. Let's rewind. Let's actually talk about hockey now instead of COVID. A year Perfect. ago, a year ago, your club, I'm going to say took a step, took a, a leap essentially going from where you were in year three to where you were in year four and, and winning the number of games that you did. Your, your team took a pretty big leap last year, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, very, very, proud of our guys and you know they you know we did uh we did really well out of conference we went undefeated out of conference uh why act now and i that's why i'm almost very excited about this year because it's just why we have to, if we could do well now this year i think it really sets the sets us up for success in another year uh, for next year because now it's you know it's game in game out. You're playing against top teams in the country. Uh, 
but yeah, we did. You know, we 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 took a big step last year. I thought it was good. And at the end of the day, you know, the regular season was good. Uh, playoffs was another learning experience for us. And now I think the biggest thing that I took out of it was because our season ended and the following week it was over. Like, everything shut down, guys packing up their bags, go home, like, where you guys are online for the rest of the year anyway. So I think they were able to go home and kind of – they were able to go home and actually kind of think about it. They didn't They didn't have the chance to kind of unwind with each other. They could go home now and be like, all right, like, we took that we, – we did take a step, but, you know, we always talked about – you know, at the end of the season that, listen, guys, even when we won eight games, we still made it to the conference semifinals. If we win 15 games, that's great. But I'm tired of being at the conference semifinals. So I think that kind of – they were able to go home and digest that and not have the distractions of being out of season and having a couple of weeks off before we start workouts again. They were actually – you know, our season ended. The following week they were home. And the day before they went home, we were able to have our exit meetings. So we were so like they didn't really even almost have a chance to talk about it amongst themselves. Every guy took took that home with them and were like, all right. And I saw a difference when they came back. And obviously knowing that with the conversations I've had and knowing that everything was going to be a little bit different this year, they were able to actually listen and hear the message not be there for the message so i mean i'm proud of the guys i thought last year was a was a great step in the right direction you know hats off to to the seniors because you know liam and and bruno and colton like those guys came in when it wasn't a lot of fun and they went through a lot of teammates, and they went through a lot of adversity. I mean, Garves, you were here. You know, you've been with us through the whole thing. That class was a lot bigger than what graduated. And, you know, they – You had guys that didn't get through the first week of camp. We, we did. We <laughs> did. But, it, you know, it – you know, talking with Bruno and Liam's playing pro now and, and Colton has a job, like, like there's – you know, guys have uh, – you know, Durham, Durham transferred in. He's playing pro right now, too. You know, like we're, you know, Durham had a chance to play, you know, in the East Coast League, like, you know, moving guys on and, you know, continuing to move guys on. Uh, but those guys kind of came in and, you know, like I was, uh, I was more upset that I couldn't be there for their graduation because I never really had a chance to sit down with them and their parents, truly thank them. Thank them for, you know, they came in here on a promise and they left it better than I could ever imagine, in all honesty. You know, like they, you know, they, those guys left it on the table. They left everything they had here and uh, I'll forever be grateful to that, to that class. So as you transition now to this year, it's, it's the first time you haven't had 10 plus freshmen. Yeah. You mentioned earlier you're you're more of a an upper class team. You're a veteran team now, so the 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 hearing the message as you mentioned and bringing maybe we've learned a little bit into this year. It's going to help having that veteran team, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I, I mean, you, you know, you look at, uh, you know, you look at that class that graduated last year and then there was uh then there was a class, uh, our senior class this year, you know, which was also a very big class and there's not a lot of seniors. Uh, and one of them and two of them are transfers. So really that class only had, I might be missing it, but maybe I think three or four guys kind of survived from a, I think it was a 12 or 13 person class. That was a big group. It was a big group. And, you know, we got a little bit better, right? We got a little bit better with them, but then that my third recruiting class or our third recruiting class, I should say, uh, we hit on everyone. So we brought in, I believe, 11 guys, and we hit on all 11. All 11 are, are players. All 11 uh, are filled multiple roles and and uh, kind of, you know, if you if we're going to play a team that wants to bang, we can put together a lineup that'll bang. We team wants a good skating team, we could put a faster team out there. Like So we hit on those guys, and those guys came in and – really made it really kind of set a tone and said like this is how it's going to be like we're not here we're not here participating and I think you know as as freshmen some took off faster than others and uh as sophomores they all but there was that promise for the guys that maybe didn't take off like you look at a guy like Colton Bates like he had a good freshman year but like last year he was dynamic you know, uh, Jordan Martin, like he had a good freshman year, but last year he got bigger, he got stronger. Like I'm, not, he's one of the strongest guys I've ever seen on like with a stick, uh, in terms of like strength of stick and 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 stick lifts and battles and puck battles. And there's not a guy that doesn't love being below the dots more than him. Like if there, if I was going into a trench, well, war- you love having those guys on your line too. If I was going into <laughs> trench warfare, boots would be my first guy I would pick. Flat out. So, uh, you know, so those guys kind of came in and really set a tone. And, you know, they, even as freshmen, started to change the upperclassmen's thought mentality. You know, that senior class last year was like, all right, like, these guys guys are pretty good. Like, okay, like, we could see what's happening now. And then, you know, they, uh, you know, we took off and, like, those guys were a big part of it. And, you know, like, Chad Lopez had a monster year last year you know, as a sophomore, and, and Bates got better, and Boots got better, and, and you know, they, there's a lot of guys that really stepped up, and then you got, you know, then you got Artie, and, you know, it, it's so we hit on those guys, and it's kind of changed, and now those guys are all juniors, and, you know, they, they've lost, they've lost in the second round in the semifinals twice in a row now. And I think that's that group is pretty ticked off that they know they're better than that. So I'm looking forward to having them come back here. There's not a question I believe we'll be in shape. The guys are there's ever a team that's kind of a pain in terms of the COVID era and constantly wiping down and spraying things. It's this team because they're in the weight room. They're always doing stuff. We're we're not lazy. So and I think you know, that'll be, you know, we'll get back and those those guys will be ready to roll. I'm kind of dominating things here. Sorry about that. Matt no Johnson, problem. welcome I'm, to the show. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm enjoying listening to this this talk. Uh, you know, Rich, I don't get a chance to work with you as closely, obviously not even close, as John does. So 
Um, it's interesting for me to get to, you know, hear you talk about your team. Um, obviously, you know, the three of us have talked about the team after games because I go to games and watch, and, you know, the three of us have had some long talks yes, about, how, <laughs> about how the team is doing. Um, going back to the angle with the freshmen, you know, one of the things that I noticed last year, and this is something that you and me and John, we talked about last season, the team was really deep last year. It's the first time that we've had a team here in a while that really could roll lines and really not lose anything. You know, where guys were contributing, every line was contributing something to the mix. Um, and you talked about your freshman class. It's a smaller freshman class. How do you see those guys fitting in with this group of returners that you have coming back? Well, I, you know, I think this freshman class, a lot different from the other freshman classes, are they might have to buy their time a little bit. Uh, they're going to have to come in and prove it. You know, if you look at, you know, when uh, when this junior class came in, we basically played. You were kind of forced to. We basically played almost eight to ten of them every single night as freshmen. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're battle tested. Uh, you know, and I think you know, with a smaller freshman class, you might be able to put a couple of guys into some spots. And you know, we were actually able to kind of go out and recruit. Kind of specific needs like you're, you know, Durham scored a lot of goals. You know, Liam had a had a career year, his senior year. You know, Bruno, Bruno rebounded from a tough junior year. Uh, you know, Colton was a leader on on the blue line for us. Uh, so like we were, you know, now that uh, you know we we recruited three freshmen forwards and one and one defenseman, right? So. Uh, you know, we have we have high numbers just for the simple fact that we have to start to kind of chip away at some of these bigger classes where the guys have all stuck because you don't want to replace everybody in one year because then if you don't, you're not going to hit on it two years. You're not going to hit on it two recruiting classes in a row of 10. So, like, it's not going to happen, right? So uh, I think this freshman class, like, we went out and, you know, uh, CJ Walker is a, you know, he played for, uh, Dan Wildfong and Lone Star, you know, the kid knows 200 foot game. Like he's, he's gonna, I believe he can, uh, play anywhere in our lineup. Uh, and he will, and Another he guy has, who enjoys playing below the dots. Yes. And he <laughs> has the capability of driving a line. Like CJ Walker is a very good hockey player. Uh, Zach Bannister, you know, he is a, uh, he has offense to him if you look at his stats in the Saskatchewan League. He's an Alberta kid, which was also nice to be able to get back into that province. The alumni love it. The alumni love it. So hopefully, you know, but but Zach has a knack for scoring, you know. So, uh, you know, you probably put – you now you have to plug guys into situations in which they'll be successful. Matty Francois, like he's a tough uh, – Hard-nosed, two hundred foot guy. He will, you know, and he's, uh, and he'll give everything he has, you know. Like he's, he, as much as he enjoys probably scoring a goal or scoring a point, he's a guy that's gonna increase our power play, our, our increase. Sorry, not power play, Maddie. Our penalty <laughs> kill. <laughs> but, but he. So he's like, gonna fill Liam's role. He, he's he's kind of an unsung kind of hero kind of guy, exactly. He's you a grinder. Know? And he has, but yeah. he has the capabilities, though. Like, you see him in practice, and it's like, all right, like, you know, there's there's more. There's a lot there. I think uh, a lot of these guys, too, you know, 
what they're going to do when they come in as freshmen and how they're going to leave, you'll have probably two years of the guys kind of having career years like Liam Blaze had, right? So Liam probably got thrown into situations he wasn't ready for. Now we could kind of insulate these guys a little bit. You know, Troy Quinn, like he's a big left shot D. He has a bomb of a shot. Uh, and he can really – he can skate for 6'4". Like the kid can flat out skate. Uh, so, you know, it's getting him up to speed on how to defend in, in the WIAC and at the and at the speed of the WIAC. And, and uh, you know, I think – but all of them are going to come in. They're going to play. They're going to contribute in their own ways. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have – I don't believe it's up to them to win us a game. We have guys, Troy York is back for his senior year, right? Colton Bates is back. You know, Levi Cudmore is, I mean, you look at, I'm not big in analytics, but you look analytically, Levi Cuddy's probably one of the best players we have on our team analytically. Like, he doesn't get... Expand on that. He doesn't get scored on. Hmm. He might not score a ton of points, but he, he always has the puck, or when he's on the ice, UWS has the puck. Uh... And he doesn't get scored on. It's and an he, easy way to not get scored on. And he, yeah. but he doesn't also. He doesn't play a lot of defense. If you look at where his zone starts are, they're typically in the D zone. He's always ending up in the offensive zone. He's not. He doesn't get hemmed in. And and he's a center, right? So he's he's probably more responsible for that than let's say wingers are, right? Uh, so you know you have those, and then obviously like I said, you see low boots, like you know, uh, like. I don't. I think these freshmen are going to be able to kind of come in, find their feet, and be able to kind of contribute. And they, uh, you know, though you don't have a ton of time this season, uh, it's not going to be strictly on them like in the past where it's like, I'm going to play freshman, like it's what I'm going to play. So I think that mentality has helped because this uh, junior and senior class have played a lot of games now. Kind of nice to have a presence on the back end, isn't it? Yes. You really traditionally haven't had a a crease clearer, a big defenseman. No. Who could match up with some of the wax bigger forwards. You haven't had that guy. No, we haven't. And, you know, we've had, you know, like, I mean, Artie's big, but he's a puck mover. You know, Artie uh, doesn't really get the heart rate up too much, but he, you know, he can score big goals. His or yours? Yeah. <laughs> well, he gets my heart rate up <laughs> a little bit. But, you know, and, and like Lawson is, you know, Lawson's, Probably the best skating defenseman in the in, in the wild. He's one of the best skaters I've ever seen. Yeah, but Lawson's probably the best skating. Very defense. natural stride to him. Oh my he's, gosh! Yeah, he's on. He's on effortless. Unreal. It's effortless. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, Pace. You know, Pace had a good year last year, and Chucky had a good year last year. Like Chucky, you know, might didn't score a goal or whatever, but like I think there's so much more to his. How game. much did that weigh on him? I if think his mentally game probably it was, changed because I think he it was couldn't. mentally exhausting to him. Mm-hmm. But I think he. You know, but he's matured so much, like the conversations that I've talked to him, that I've had with him, and not even bringing up last year or anything like that. Just, you know, him just being like, uh, like, I'll bring something up and he'll be like, ah, it's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. You know, and, it, and it's not a, uh, an arrogant answer. It's he's really not worried about it. He just wants to win. So he's going to do whatever it takes for us to win. And he can skate. And Pace can skate. And, you know, Hammer put a lot of work into his feet this summer. Uh, You know, so, you know, and obviously, you know, you you have Turch. You know, you have Turch and Lawson. You probably have 
one of the best pairs of, of defensemen in, in the conference too. You know, and you, we're not playing a full schedule too. You could probably eat up. You could, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Turch see if I could hit 30 minutes with him one game. We'll <laughs> say. You know, it's funny. Um, we were talking about how, you know, those classes, those freshman classes, gonna have the chance to kind of learn from the other guys a little bit. You know, work in practice, kind of observe a little bit in games, maybe about how things are done. Um, you know, to become a complete team, you got to have a little bit of everything, right? And these, you're talking about on the backside, having a big physical defenseman. You know, most of your defensemen are kind of puck movers, or they, or a lot of them are. You yeah, know, I, I mean, we even transitioned Pav from forward to D, and you know, Pav, Pav, and I think it's good for the for freshmen also to see that Pav's been a forward for two years, and he was forward D last year. We moved them back, and you know, we moved them back at one point in his sophomore year, and. You know he's gonna he's he, he's gonna be good. You know back there. So like I yeah I think the I think the freshmen are gonna they're gonna learn and be right. groomed, and I think that's gonna only benefit us in the long run. Well, and it also like I said gives you guys some versatility back there. I mean, yes, you love to have guys that are puck movers because that's how you're gonna kickstart your offense on the outlet, the vast majority of the time. Yeah, and you know, and they, but you got to have that other side too. And you, you can't just be have careful. a bunch of guys that are just all they do is move the puck, because you're also going to have those times where you're going to have to have a banger in there somewhere, you know, that's going to have to clear out in front of you know whoever's in net, yeah, you know, to be able to get those guys out of there because this league has some big forwards, you know. I mean, I looked at some of those guys, especially at Eau Claire. Some of those guys are horses, and so you got to be able to move those guys out of there because if they're just going to you know camp up, set up shop in the middle, you've got a problem as well there. So you need to have that kind of versatility in the back, right? I mean, you got to be able to have a guy like a, you know. Like like, the guys you were bringing up, the Arties, yeah. some of the other guys that are you know that can move the puck, Lawson, some of the other guys that can really skate and jumpstart the offense, and, and Chucky Martin. But you also got to have some of those other guys, absolutely, that can clear out a little bit. And maybe they're not the but yeah they don't have the best hands, but you know they're just as effective as those other guys. I mean we wouldn't be able to play the way that you want to play if we didn't have those guys on the back that are also going to go in there and, and body up a little bit in the middle. Yeah, and you know in. I'd say the biggest thing that has changed is hitting in college hockey. You know, you if you had all of those guys, it, it's kind of you need a little bit of both, like you said, because if you have all those guys, you're probably going to be in the box. If you like, saying they couldn't play in, in our era, so <laughs> or they could, actually. they, they could have yeah. played. <laughs> like if we if we played, you know, Garver, you know, when when Garves was uh, at UWS playing, like if you played that style of hockey that that Nelly played, like your your PK better be good. Your PK better be good because you're going to be playing half the game down a man, right? So you, you can't, you don't want to over over recruit that part. But we did. I felt we did need a bigger bodied guy. Uh, and as a freshman, right, like, you, you know, you want to put him in the right situations. Like, I don't I don't know if, if we're going to, on game one, throw Troy Quinn out against another team's first line, right? Like, but now we don't have to, right? right? So yeah. he could see how, how it goes and, you know, you know, you, then you put, because, you know, and then again, like you talked about the depth we had last year, you look at, uh, you know, Ty Profit. Troy McTavish, like the, like those guys, you know, they'll get it on the forecheck and they, and they'll they'll bang, you know, like so we can, you know, I always believe you need a little bit of everything, like you said, and you know, I regardless of whoever we're playing, we want to set 
I don't want to say set a tone, but we we want to dictate and say like, okay, like like this is how it's going to be. When when this line comes out, you guys are going to get hit, and you're going to get hit often, and you're going to get hit hard. When these guys are out, they're going to have the puck, and they're going to be able to score on you. And then when when these guys come out, you're not going to get anything. And then when when this D pairs out, you better make sure you're back checking, or else we're going to ruin you off transition. And like you know, I want I think having that stuff, having that versatility throughout your lineup will uh, – it's very hard for a team to prepare. So – and that's what we want to continue to build on. You ran through three goalies last year. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it, it was interesting because it's like each one of them had their stretch and then something happened and then another one would step in and have his stretch and then something happened and then another one would step in. You comfortable with where you're at back there? Well, I mean, I'm comfortable because in a short season, like – like going into a game right now, like you know, you know, Oscar's it, right? Like I, I would, I would say Oscar's it. Uh, but you look at guys like Alti and Giggs, and they're, you know, they're they're pushing. You know, uh, I thought Alti looked fantastic in the time we were on the ice in the, in in the fall semester. Uh, you know, I think Giggs is uh, knows that he that he's a really good goalie and he can, and he can take it over too. Like I, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say our goalies, uh, I wouldn't say any goalies weak. I wouldn't say we have a third string goalie. I think it honestly goes, uh, week to week with, with, with our goalie crew. Uh, and you know, in, and in, the the biggest message to our guys is in a in a shortened season like this, you gotta you know it's like everything you hear in the NHL right you got you gotta start fast and you gotta keep the momentum going, so whoever gets like there's really no time to find your game right right now you gotta come in and you gotta be ready to go, uh so you know, uh Oscar again, if you uh the proof's in the pudding for him uh like he's he the kid wins games plain simple uh i will always be grateful for oscar too because he went down with that with that high ankle sprain injury and he did whatever he could to get back for playoffs uh you know i think uh all t and gigs they did the best they could in the stretch that oscar wasn't there and they won games for us they kept us in games i wouldn't say they ever really lost us any games uh, you know, I think the biggest thing those two need to focus on is maybe not spotting that team that one goal at that crucial moment that's just like, oof, could, and then make and then make a beautiful save three minutes later. Whereas if you look at the mental thing, you're still if they would have given up that goal three minutes later on a save they probably shouldn't have made. Mentally, it's different than maybe giving up a weaker goal and just being like, "Ugh, like how can you make that save and not?" You you know what I mean? And like, uh, our guys were really positive. Those are conversations coaches have had in the back, but like I think those guys, you know, they're you know they put work in the summer, and you know what happened last year was last year. It really doesn't matter now, and you know they all they they got experience, and we'll be able to. They'll be better for it too. Knowing that it's very, very likely, based on numbers, based on where all this is going, that there won't be an NCAA championship to play for this year, does that change the mindset a little bit? 
Not for us, because at the end of the day, uh, and I don't think it really, like, I don't, the WIAC is a very strong conference in general, and we are typically a conference that when you get to the Frozen Four, one of us are there. Uh, So our conference competes for national championships, yes. But at the end of the day, it's not no guarantee. You know, like now that we're playing each other 15 times, in a normal traditional season, we could all beat up each other pretty good. And, you know, you have, you have, you know, you get to that six loss mark, you might not be going, you know, it's not a guarantee that we get into the national championship anyway. So I think that's a strength for us because the WIAC championship is so coveted in our, in our conference, because that might be the only championship you get. Uh, So I think it, does it change our mindset? No, because at the end of the day, we haven't hoisted one yet. So um, do we talk about NCAA tournament? Yeah, sure, of course. But I don't think it really helps us. And I've kind of tried to pull back. Like I know last year, like I was getting excited too. I was seeing us in the pairwise. I was like, oh, man, like we're, we're ranked in top 10. We're ranked, in, you know, and, but I think if it, it – like, guards, we had that conversation. And I, we broke the top ten last year, and I called you up, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> and I probably had some other choice words on you there, did. but we're on the podcast. You did. And the exact thing that I thought could happen happened. You know, when it wasn't us putting bad vibes out, it was just like I didn't know if we were mentally ready for that. So this year, I don't think it changes, changes anything because – the only thing I was going to talk about this year was the WIAC championship anyway. So I think it's perfect for us. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, polls are fun and all, but they're not usually a reliable source of where you really at. This is just where the voters think you are. You know, it's a select group of people that vote, and this is what they think. That's what it is. You have to still go on the ice or on the court or whatever sport it is and do it. And I think in a year like this one, those polls, they're basically superfluous. They're, I mean, they're yeah. dangerous at this level, too, because yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. a lot of people voting who haven't seen half the teams in no. there. Well, and voting at the lower levels is a lot tougher because of that. You don't have the exposure like you do at a D1 level where you can go and watch film. Uh, and how do they really play that game? How are they really looking? Right. You know, you don't get the to be able to say – you know, have you seen Norwich this year? No, but their stats are really good. <laughs> They've rolled a shutout for nine straight yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, so they must be doing <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I mean, you you know, those numbers sometimes can be deceiving. It depends on a lot of different things. So you have to, you know, to to really get a gauge on a team. And I've always been a big proponent of eye test. I mean, numbers are fun, stats are fun, and all that kind of stuff. But you really want to see what you're voting for. <laughs> you know? I wanted to be honorable mention all season long. That's all I want. He just wanted also receiving yeah. votes. I, I just, I, I had one outside the top. It 15. got to a point where I was like, guys, if you know anybody that votes on this, tell them not to vote for us. Like, I just <laughs> didn't want it. I just didn't want the noise because it, you know. Well, and it's different too. If you're, if you're a team that hasn't done it for a while, right? I mean, it was new to us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like Eau Claire and Stevens Point are always ranked. They're always in the top five almost every year. You know, and then you go outside, the, like in the in the region, if like Saint Norbert is always ranked in the top. You know, they're used to it because that comes with the territory. Right. And what used to come for the territory for us, and that's what we're trying to get back to. You know. Yep. Because you know, for a few years there, it was like, well, we're we're superior. They're not in the rankings. 
you know. Right. Now we're trying to get back to where it was when you played, John, which was we're always in the top five. It just comes with the territory, and you just kind of go, well, we're ranked again. You know, I might check to see just where we are this week. But, you know, as we, we didn't. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it just comes with the territory, though, and you expect that now right. to come with the territory. Well, and like, I, and again, like, I knew because I don't check it. Like, right. I don't yeah. care about rankings. It doesn't mean anything to me. I think it's all bogus anyway. And But when it happened and I got texts, that's when I was like, this isn't good. So, and listen, I'm not saying that's me probably being a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Coachy. Coachy. You're being coachy on that. I was being coachy on it and maybe superstitious. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, A little bit superstitious. I just didn't, you know, I don't, I don't care about those things. I just want to win hockey games. I don't care if we win one, nothing two one, ten 10 rep, doesn't matter. I would rather just win games and it's, you know, it, you know, you look back and you break down the numbers from last year. We were good against some teams. We were bad against other teams. And, you know, we should have beat – we, we should have beat, beat teams and we didn't. And, and we, we should have been beaten but won. Like, you know, it's – as much as we did last year and I'm proud of it and I'm good at it, there's still a lot to grow from. And I still don't believe uh, – I still don't believe we have, we've totally arrived yet. Like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I think if everything works out this year and we get the games in that we have scheduled, I fully anticipate to have a podcast next year and be like, we're ready. And that's what that's what we're working towards. I'm going to hold you to that. We'll hold you to it. We'll have the, yeah, that the we're me. ready version of I Have the Swarm. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I look forward to it. And I guess one more question I want to ask along that line, and you may not know the answer to this, but... With the blanket waiver, with basically this being a free year and everybody getting that year of eligibility back, when you, you look at your current team, who who takes advantage of that? Particularly your senior class that's seniors this year could also be seniors again next year. Who do you see maybe taking advantage of that and still having for another year? Or don't you know the answer to that? I think it's probably more... You'll see more seniors do it than, let's say, underclassmen, just because they are getting a season. It might be shortened, uh, but they're still getting a season. For for seniors this year to have to go out like this is tough. You know, then it then it breaks down to you know what their goals are for after. You know, uh, I fully anticipate. You know. Uh, Troy York being able to play pro hockey after after UWS. I fully anticipate Lost McDonald having the opportunity to play pro hockey after this. Uh, you know, to what level? I don't know. I mean, you look at like you know, Dur- Durham has more size than the, than those two, and he got he got he got a, a coast. You know, he he got games in the coast, and but like pro hockey now is absolutely in disarray, right? The NHL is having a shortened season. American League might be February, might not even play. They might have taxi squad. You have guys on American League deals playing in the coast. You have guys that have 
two, three, four years of full coast experience, even AHL call-ups playing in the Southern Pro. Like, it's going to take a little bit for these. And, like, the Southern Pro is probably the biggest Division Three, where Division Three guys move to, right? So uh, it's going to take a little bit for, for that to all get sorted out, right? So, you know, for, for a guy like Troy York, could I see him doing it coming back? And, and utilizing that year, absolutely, because he can play. Why would you give up a year of development and not and not uh, and maybe be cut because you have a four year East Coast League guy that you know scores forty points, forty points a season? Like you're probably not going to beat that guy, right? Right? You got to take that guy's job. So uh, same thing with Lawson. Now the other thing it comes down to. Too is you know like listen at the end of the day it costs money, you know it, co- it costs money for the Canadian guys which includes Lawson which includes you know Connor you know Connor could play in the Southern Pro, no problem. I don't know if Connor like with with the exchange rates like I'm like I don't know everybody's monetary you know situation or anything like that but like you know the 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 exchange rates and all that stuff can do you really need to utilize that next year, you know, Pav, you know, coming from Russia, it's like a million rubles to come to UWS. Like, it sounds like a massive number. <laughs> it's, you, you know, you know, like, it, well, it is a massive number. I don't, I don't know if it's, it says a lot for the strength of the ruble. You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's worth it for him to, uh, you know, especially being European, right? So he could go to other leagues over in Europe and probably jump. Like, so there's a lot of things that need to, probably be discussed with those guys but you know we'll just take our time and we'll figure it out we'll see where it is you know and it's not one of those guys would I fault for leaving and would I want every one of them back absolutely so it's really the decisions up to them and we'll just kind of go from there uh but with being such a veteran heavy class now you have those guys come back plus the junior class you're losing like three quarters of your team (laughs) so i might be pulling the hair out of my head at some point i might be like guys we're not ready (laughs) we're not ready we're not ready we were ready we were ready now we're we're not not ready ready. (laughs) so we'll see we'll see how that goes but i'm just uh grateful for the opportunity to be able to coach again uh this year and um you know work with this group of guys because they're they're great and it's been uh, as different as it's been. It's been a lot of fun, too. I know I'm excited. I can't wait to get back on the air. Looking forward to seeing these guys in action come, what, January 27th? Yep. If the schedule holds true, January 27th at Northland? At Northland, and then home home opener the 29th, which um, – We will not see any of you there. We will not see any of you <laughs> Unfortunately. there. Unfortunately. Uh, it's going to be uh, – you know, and as much as, you know, I also want to give, like, a little bit of a talk about, like, as much as, like, I feel bad for parents and all that stuff, I uh, it actually rips the heart out of my chest to not be able to have, uh, like, a Dave Oviatt, a Steve and Barb, Pam, and people that have been with us and travel with us and right. never miss a game and, and you know, uh, you know, Joan, yeah, Joan, and and you know uh, alumni that still live in town, and like it's just you know the the 
guys that you know they they after the game like they don't just leave they they talk to the players and they 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 come in and you know have like you know we have real life conversations even outside of hockey with some alums that are still in town and all that stuff and to not be able to see them uh will will we'll be sad but you know i just want to say like you know for that was like one of the first things that our guys even said like are we going to be allowed fans and i was like mom and dad aren't going to be allowed guys and they were like no no no, no. like what no we're talking about like dave like we're talking about Oviet. and it was just like all right like we got it you know like mm-hmm. the guys they understand what it means to play to play for the yellow jackets now so that's the biggest part that you know is sad about it but you know dave steve barb pam Joan, like, we'll make you guys proud. He's Yellow Jacket head men's hockey coach Rich McKenna. Thanks for stopping by, and the uh, the We're Ready podcast will be on the schedule for October of 2021. Yeah, <laughs> thank Buckley. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Paul Buckley. Don't forget. There's too many to there's too many to 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 name everyone. So we're gonna take one more break. We'll come back and wrap this one up right after this. You are listening to Eye of the Swarm. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back with the final segment of this edition of Eye of the Swarm. And, you know, being a hockey guy, I... I could sit and have these conversations with McKenna all day long. He, he, he has plenty to say. And, you know, we, we could have spent an entire hour just talking about recruiting and the incoming class and all that. So it's always a pleasure to, to have him on the show and, and, and get, those, get that deep dive, as we say, into, into what's going on with his program. But you can, you can just tell people obviously aren't going to see it because we're not on video, but the body language, he's itching to go. Yeah. And having talked to some of his guys, they're itching to go. I think everybody, I think every athlete is itching to go. Yeah. I don't think there's any athlete right now on campus or around the country, for that matter, that's playing college sports or was supposed to be playing college sports. Right. That isn't itching to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the question is, when are they going to get to go? Yeah. That's the question, you know. Well, again, a lot can happen between now and that last well, week of January. So, well, know. the other thing is, is that, you know, even though they've got a schedule and a working plan, there's no guarantee that all these games are going to even take place. Right. There's just so much, you know, we talked about with, with, with Rich, it's just flexibility is a big thing right now. I mean, you have to be flexible. I mean, everything can change with the drop of a hat. Right. You know, and, you know, he alluded to it when we were talking just now. Um, you know, they might not be able to play games and might not have anything to do with this team. You know, might have to do with the other team. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, it, it, there's – there's just a lot of stuff that is undetermined about all of this. You know, things that best laid plans are this, but just in case. Right. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a weird spot to be in. You know, I mean, we all accepted the fact that when we played games, there was not going to be fans in the stands. I mean, you and I talked about this during the summer months. Yep. Um, you know, even going into the end of spring. 
last year, you know, where we were like, yeah, this is not going to happen until they can get a full grip on, on how to contain and then, you know, mitigate the, the virus. And that is obviously still the case. And it's, it's no surprise in that regard, but that throws in a whole bunch of extra stuff, um, because of just the amount of moving parts we have at all times. And, you know, I was glad that coach brought it up also. It's not even so much the team activity. It's what are they doing the rest of the time when they're not with us. That's the right. question. And yep. they have to be so disciplined at all times because if they're not, you're putting games in jeopardy now. Right. It's not just, oh, I might not play the next game because I had a disciplinary problem. Now the whole team might not be able to play. Right. Because, you know, one guy got exposed and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread like wildfire. Yep. You know, so because that's what this virus does. Right. So, you know, there's a whole new layer of, of kind of responsibility that goes along with this whole thing. And to be honest, it's it's still to be determined. Right. You know, how there's well everybody follows it. a lot of TBD it. in there. <laughs> you know, how well everybody, not just us, but the rest of the league yep. handles it. You know, so, yeah, it's going to, I mean, while, while there is a glimmer at the light of the tunnel and we are going to do this thing, we'll see how this thing actually turns out. Right. Which is kind of the way that I would look at it. Yep, the cautious optimism. No, there's no no doubt about that. But I'm I'm excited. I know you're excited. Players, coaches, everyone's excited to to get back into this. And before we go, I do want to take a moment. And uh, boy, I feel like we've talked a lot about death <laughs> over the course of these few that we've done here in 2020. But I do want to take a moment and recognize Scotty Thompson, the uh, longtime photographer for Yellow Jacket Athletics, who passed away on November 1st. Um, uh, tough one again for me. You know, Scotty was a special human being, and I, I spent many, many hours with that man over the course of the time when he was our, our photographer here at UW-Superior, and uh, he, he shot our wedding, you know. So he was a, a special guy, and chances are over a stretch of about 10 to 15 years, if you were at a sporting event, you, you saw Scotty with the camera, yeah. and you, you saw his work on the website and you saw his work maybe in somebody's home because he, he shot so many games and, and gave photos to athletes and, and everything. So uh, a special person left us in November. Yeah. Scotty, uh, I knew him quite well as well. Um, you know, I hadn't seen him in several years, which is unfortunate. Um, having him at games was a lot of fun. Uh, I always expected to see him alongside Jed when it came to the photographers. I was always looking for him and Jed, um, you know, and, Anybody who knew Scotty knew he was he had quite the personality and sense of humor. I mean he <laughs> he he was he was a very um, he had a very dry sense of humor at a certain level, but mm-hmm. he was also a very warm person. Yep, and it really mattered mattered to him. So um, you know, I was bummed when when he stopped photographing games there, and I know his health kind of declined as the years went on. But um, I always look forward to seeing him. Yep, you know, and I've I've I had a few moments with Scotty where. <laughs> You know, he he kind of made me laugh by just saying something that <laughs> I didn't expect to come, and uh, you know where where he would drop a, a really good line, and you know it just made me ma- it just made me laugh. Um, but yeah, he was he was a good. I mean, I don't like using the term good egg a, a lot, but he was a good one. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a good man, and uh, uh, you know he's I think he'll be sorely missed, you know, in the UWS community because he was a big part of um, any images that you saw basically for many many years. You know, on the website or otherwise, um, Scotty either <laughs> either took the picture or had a, a big a big part in, in getting that picture. You know, out yep. there. So, uh, rest in peace, Scotty. Uh, you'll be missed, buddy. Yep, we're gonna. I, I I've missed him a lot over the last few years when he hasn't been, you know, out in public as as often as he had before. And um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss him now for sure. So, absolutely, I'm with you. Rest in peace, Scotty.
That'll do it for this edition of Eye of the Swarm, our final episode of 2020. Uh, you know, we talked about a little bit of off-air. Thank goodness 2020 is done. Yeah. It's been the the longest year of most of our lives, I think, and it's been the most difficult. And, and a happy holidays, everybody, too. Yes, a, a safe and happy holiday as, as uh, we, we progress through the end of 2020 and into 2021. Things are looking up, and uh, it can only get better, right? Um, knock on wood. You've got the you, you've got the table <laughs> over there. I'm gonna let you knock on the wood on that one. Knock on wood. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, twenty the twenty twenty holiday safe and happy for everybody, and we look forward to to coming back strong with more episodes in twenty twenty one. Our engineer once again is Elliot Sweary. He's the big sound Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.